Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Over at greatdetectives.net, check out my review of the latest Big Finish Sherlock Holmes audio drama release, The Master of Blackstone Grange. And you can get all of my reviews automatically delivered to your Kindle, and you can try that service out free for two weeks. Just search for Great Detectives of Old Time Radio in the Kindle store. Uh, And uh, coming up in just a moment, we will present today's episode. The original air date is May the 17th of 1953, and the title is The Big False Move. First, have you ever wanted to read the great books, works by Homer, Plato, Shakespeare, Cicero, the type of works that have endured the test of time that have helped form the worldview of great people throughout history. Maybe like me, you bought a few great books that proudly adorn your bookshelf, but have never been able to get around to reading them. If so, then OnlineGreatBooks.com may be for you. OnlineGreatBooks.com is designed to help you develop a regular habit of reading the great books. Weekly reading goals, reminders, accountability tools, and a dedicated community of fellow readers help keep you on track and on schedule with your reading. Every month, OnlineGreatBooks.com shifts a carefully selected edition of one of the great books directly to your home. We begin with Homer and progress through works by Plato, Aristotle, Descartes, Shakespeare, through the moderns. Each month, you'll meet in a two-hour video conference to discuss your text with a small community of readers in a Socratic seminar led by a trained interlocutor. The online greatbooks.com check-in and reading goal system is designed to help you progress through the great books with just three one-hour reading sessions each week. If you're interested in developing a lifelong habit of reading and studying the great books, go to onlinegreatbooks.com and enter the promo code BOX13 to get 25% off your first three months. That's promo code BOX13. Now here's the big false move. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. A suspect has been apprehended. You have a positive identification from the victim. Your job, investigate. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, June 3rd. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Didion. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office, and it was 7.46 a.m. when I got to room 27A. 
robbery. Joe? Yeah? You're early. Yeah. I got to run over to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. What's the matter? I don't know, Frank. I started to get headaches last night. I couldn't sleep. They're ringing in my ears. I don't know what it is. Now, hold on. Stay right there. What? Got up my locker. I'll get it for you. What are you talking about? The headaches get worse when you move. What? When you move around, it gets worse, right? Yeah. Feels like your head's gonna blow up? Yeah. Uh-huh. Glad you came to me. I know just what it is. Got stuff right up here. Someplace. Yeah, here it is. There you are, Joe. Take two. Put you right up. What is it? Salt. Salt? Salt. That's your trouble. You don't get enough salt. Same thing happened to me last summer. Ever since then, I always keep a bottle of salt tablets right in my locker. Always ready. Take two. Fix you right up. Well, I don't know. You got a penny? What for? A cup? Now, wait a minute, Joe. We're not going to drink that water anymore. No? Just a minute. Bought a whole case of this for us. There you are, boy. Drink it right out of the bottle. What is it? Poland water, Joe. 100% pure. Right from the springs. Real water. Yeah? Yep. Read right there on the bottle, see? Not carbonated. Full of minerals and good things. Yeah, well, Frank, maybe I ought to wait and see the doctor, huh? Joe, believe me, I know what's wrong. It's happened to me. Same thing. Salt, that's what you need. Yeah. Well, there you are. Poland water and the pills. Fix you right up. There they are. Go ahead. Oh, look, I appreciate all this. Really, I do. But I think I ought to see the doctor, huh? Joe, don't you trust me? Well, yeah, Take the pills. Salt. Salt. Take them. All right. There now. That wasn't bad, was it? If the headaches don't go away, we can drop by Georgia Street and see the doc. Oh, you want to give me the bottle? I'll put the cap back on. Keep yeah. it fresh for All right. you. Anything in the box? Yeah, an arrest report. We're supposed to check the guy out. Anything on it? Held up a grocery store at the corner of 7th and Francis a week ago yesterday. When did they pick him up? Last night. Victim saw him on the street and called a radio car, took him into custody, and then booked him. Well, let's go talk to him. I'll see what he's got to say. After we get through, we can drop by the hospital if he's still got the headaches. This shouldn't take too long. Well, sure, guy's already confessed. We ran the name of the suspect, Thomas Stanford, through R&I, but we found no previous criminal record for any one of his description. 8.10 a.m., we drove over to the main jail. We went up to the second floor and signed in. Stanford was brought from his cell, and Frank and I took him to one of the interview rooms. We gave him a cigarette, and he started to talk. He was quiet and cooperative. Yeah, I did the robbery. A week ago yesterday. I'd like to check some things out here on the arrest report. Sure, I want to get this over with. I did it like I told you. Nothing special. Just held up the store. Mm -hmm. Your full name is Thomas Arthur Stanford, is that right? Yeah, Thomas Arthur. My friends call me Tom. Uh -huh. Your home address is 1824 and a quarter South Mariposa Avenue. Yeah, I live with my father, 1824 and a quarter South Mariposa Avenue, L.A. 7. What's your father's name? Arthur. Same as my middle name. I was named after him. You employed? Not regular. What do you mean? Well, I don't have a regular job, like in a factory or a store. I'm a gardener. I work for different people. Can you give us a list of the people you work for? I'm sure, if you've got to have them. That's just routine. Oh. Yeah, I'll give them to you. You want to tell us how you committed the robbery? Yeah, I'll tell you. Isn't much to tell, though. It's pretty simple. I went in and held the place up, took the money. That's about all there is to it. Were you armed when you went into that grocery store? Yeah. Yeah, I had a gun. What kind of a gun? Thirty-two automatic. Had eight bullets in it. Where's the gun now? Threw it away. Where? In one of the ponds up in Ferndale. You mean up in Griffith Park? Yeah, just a little up the canyon there. You want to show us where it is? Sure. All right. If you start right at the beginning, tell us all about the robbery, what you did. Well, why do you have to know all that? I told you I did it. There's nothing more you have to know. We've got to have it for the record. It's just routine, like I told you. You guys do a lot of things. It's routine, don't you? Yeah, we do. Quite a bit. 
Was there anybody in the store when you went in? Just the woman that owned the place. I guess she owned it. The way she carried on, you'd have thought it was her own money I was taking. Well, I took out the gun, and I told her it was a stick-up. I said for her not to cause any trouble. What'd she say to that? Well, that's when she got hacked at me, started to yell. What'd you do? I guess she figured I meant what I said when I told her to shut up. Anyway, she quieted down, then I told her to get into the back room. They got this little room where they keep the empty Coke and the beer bottles. I told her to get in there. Did she? Yeah, she went into the room, and I locked the door from the outside. Then I went to the cash register and punched the no-sale button and took the money. After that, I left the store. You didn't have the money on you when they picked you up last night. Where is it? It's gone. I spent it. You spent it all? Yeah. Every last nickel. I had myself a ball. You remember where you spent it? All around, different places. I bought myself some clothes. Spent some of it in clubs. Just went. None of it left. You drive a car, Stanford? Yeah. Isn't mine, though. It belongs to my father. It's a big Chrysler sedan. Did you drive that when you held up the grocery store? Yeah, I had it parked down the street on 7th. Mm-hmm. Remember the time when you went into the store? Yeah. It was just after 12. 12 noon. What were you doing in the neighborhood last night? You mean when they picked me up? That's right. Just looking around. You ever been arrested before? No. Never been mixed up with a cop. You ever been to the hospital? Mental institution? What do you ask a question like that for? Routine. Oh. Uh-uh. Well, when I was a kid, I had my tonsils out. I was in a hospital then. A couple of days. I don't remember it too well. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. How old are you, Stanford? 28. All these questions you're asking me. I told the two cops that picked me up the same things. Why you got to ask them again? Can't you just send me the penitentiary and get it over? Got to double-check the story, Stanford. I suppose so. It seems that you're going to a lot of trouble you don't have to. I told you I did it. I'm not giving you any trouble. I confess. No. My father know about this yet? Yeah, he was called. He's going to be pretty sore about it. All right. Sure, he doesn't know I used his car. a.m. We checked the suspect out of the main jail and took him over to the store that had been robbed. While Frank waited in the car, I went in and talked to the victim, a Mrs. Alice Kenwood. I told her that we'd bring the suspect into the store and ask him several questions about the robbery. During that time, I told her that we wanted her to observe the suspect so that she could give us a positive identification. I told her that it would be better if she didn't talk to him and that if she had any questions, she could ask them through us. She agreed and said that she would do anything she could to help us in the investigation. I went out to the car and... Frank and I brought the suspect into the store. Come on back here, Stanford. What are you bringing me here for? What are you trying to prove? I'd like to have you explain a few things for us. Well, I told you all I could. I told you I committed the robbery. Isn't that enough? Just a couple of things we'd like to have you clear up for us. Well, what things? I told you how I did it. Well, she'll tell you. That's the woman I held up. She'll tell you it was me. She should know. She's the one who turned me in. How about it, Miss Cameron? He's the one, all right. I'd know him any place. There, isn't that enough? What more do you want? I'd like to have you show us just how you came into the store, what you did while you were in here. You mean the whole thing? Yeah, from the time he came in through the door. All right. Take these handcuffs off and I'll show you. You can show us with them on. It's got to be that way. It's going to make it tougher. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I came in the door. I came in and she was standing behind that counter. You mean Miss Kenwood? Yeah, her. She was standing behind the counter. I walked over to her and showed her the gun. Told her it was a stick-up. Told her I wanted the money. That's right. He pointed the gun at me and thought he was going to shoot. All right, go ahead, Stanley. Well, she started to yell, told me to get out of the store. Certainly I yelled at him. You think I want anybody coming in here and waving a gun around? Oh, if my husband was here, he'd show you, show you good. See what I mean? I never saw a woman that could yell so much. Go ahead, Stanford. What'd you do then? Well, I told her if she didn't keep quiet, I'd have to shoot her, and then I told her to get in the room now, and back. Now, just hold on a minute. Not only a thief, but he's a liar, too. Ma'am? 
That's not what he did at all. What do you mean, Mrs. Kenwood? He didn't tell me to get into the back room. There ain't any back room. How about that, Stanford? You're going to listen to her. I'm the one that robbed the place. She didn't. I guess I know what I did. All right, let's take a look back here. Come on. What's behind this curtain here, Miss Kenwood? Just a little space where I keep my empty bottles. Goes right out onto the alley. There, see, that's where I put her. That's where I told her to stay. Mm-hmm. And you said you locked the door. There's no door there. I got confused. It doesn't make any difference. I told her to get back there and stay there until I was out of the store. That's a lie. You did no such thing. You told me to get down on the floor and cover my face. Then you went over to the cash register and you took the money. I didn't move. Didn't want to give you any trouble. The way you were waving that gun around, it's a wonder you didn't try to kill me. The way you're yakking that up, I should have done it. All right, that's enough. Frank? Yeah. You want to take Stanford out of the car? I'll be right with you. Yeah, okay. Come on, Stanford, let's go. I don't know what you got to go through all this for. I told you I did, and I never saw anything like it before. You can't even confess around here. Nobody believes it. Miss Kenwood? Yes, officer. Are you sure that's the man that held you up here? I said it before. I'm positive. There isn't any doubt in my mind. Uh-huh. Now, you heard what he said, how he said he robbed you. Is that the way it happened? Well, everything was the same except where he said that he put me in back there. That wasn't true. He made me lie down on the floor right there, told me to stay still for five minutes, not to move. Said that if I caused any trouble, he'd come back and shoot me. Mm-hmm. I think he's crazy. Anybody would wave a gun around like that. It's terrible. I wish my husband was here. He'd show that snip. He's in the army, you know, my husband. Yes, ma'am. Awful thing. Him overseas getting shot at and young punks like that roaming around the streets with guns, threatening people. It's a terrible thing. Now, this is pretty important, ma'am. I want to ask you once more. You're sure that's the man who held you up? How many times do I have to say it? I told you that it is. He admits it himself. What more do you need? Well, I don't know, ma'am. There's just something here that isn't right about the whole thing. Doesn't make any difference. He's the man. There's no mistake about that. Oh, you just let me know when you want me in court. I'll be there. I want to see him get what's coming to him, every bit of it. Yes, ma'am. So do we, if he's the right man. Twelve twenty-two p.m. We drove the suspect back to the city hall for further questioning. Frank took him to the interrogation room, and I checked into the squad room. Pardon me? Yes, sir? Sergeant Friday? Yes, sir. Something I can do for you? I'm Arthur Stanford, Tom's father. Oh, yes, sir. I understand my son is here. Is that right? Yes, sir. He's here. Wonder if I could see him, talk to him? Yes, sir. I think that can be arranged. Has he told you why he did it? Has he? Well, he's given us some reasons, sir. None of them are very good. I can't understand it. Just isn't any reason for him to do a thing like this. No reason at all that I can see. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do, Mr. Friday. I left the house this morning, and all the people in the neighborhood knew about it. They all knew. I walked down the street, and they turned away from me. I could see him watch me through the windows of their houses. I could tell what they were thinking. My son's a thief. Common thief. And in my heart, I know it's true. I don't know what to do about it, Mr. Friday. Can you tell me? No, sir. I'm afraid I can't. Well, maybe he can. May I see him? Yes, sir. He's across the hall. This way. Right over here, sir. I, uh, wonder if I could have a cigarette? Yes, sir. Here you are. Here's a match. Thank you. I'm not sure what I'm going to say to him when I see him. Wish I had some time to think. Well, you don't have to go in now if you don't want to, sir. Oh, it wouldn't help any to put it off. Won't get any easier with time. I might as well get it over with. All right, sir. Hi, Pop. Why'd you do it, son? Well, I did it because I wanted to. I wanted the money. I don't know any other reason you robbed somebody. I wanted the money, so I did it. You could have come to me. I'd have tried to get the money for you. You know I'd have tried. Where'd you get it? Where'd you get that kind of money? All your life, you've been grubbing for pennies. I don't want small money. I want to be rich. I will be, too. 
All right, take it easy, Stanford. All right, Mr. Friday, I understand. All my life you've been saying you understand. I'm getting sick of it. As long as I can remember, you've been telling me to get out and do something on my own. Well, I finally did it. Now you aren't happy with it. You expect me to throw my hat up in the air because you're a thief? Oh, knock it off. I'm tired of you giving me lectures all the time. Yakety yak. Never stop. That's enough of that, don't you think, Stan? Well, you keep out of this, cop. This is a family matter. It doesn't concern you. This is between my father and me. Well, tell me why. That's all I want. Why? Tell me so I can face the neighbors, so I can tell them you had a reason. Tell them your son's a bum. Well, they know that already, but that's not a reason to steal. It's good enough for me. They're not going to listen to you anyway. They already made up their minds about me. They did that a long time ago. Come on, Stanford. Let's go back to jail. Sure. Anything else here to do? He never understood. He never did. Let's go. Hey, one thing I'd like to ask first. What's that? You're going to jail for a long time. I have to live while you're gone. It's your worry. Man, it always has been. I want to know what you did with the garden tools. I'll have to have them to get along. I don't know. I left them someplace. You remember where? Think, I need those tools. I'm not sure. Maybe at Mrs. Howard's. Maybe that's where I left. Over on 12th? Yeah, I did her place last Wednesday. I guess I forgot to pick the stuff up when I left. It must still be there. And I'll go over and get them. Wait a minute. What do you want? You said you did some gardening for this Mrs. Howard last Wednesday. That'd be a week ago yesterday, is that right? That's what I said. You remember what time you were there? Most of the day. I got there about 10 in the morning. Left about 4 in the afternoon. I was in a hurry to get away. That's why I forgot the tools, I guess. You leave the place at all during the day? Not till I finished. What are you trying to prove with all these questions? It's about the robbery, Stanford. Yeah? If you were at this Howard woman's house, how could you held up the grocery store? Don't make no difference how I did it. I don't have to explain it to you. No, you're wrong about that, Stanford. Is that right? Too many things here don't add up. The way you confessed. The difference in your story about the robbery. Now, this thing about you being at the Howard house. I don't know why you're lying about this, Stanford. Yeah. But we're going to find out. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. We continued to talk to the suspect, Thomas Stanford, for another hour. He refused to say anything about the conflicting aspects of his story. His father pleaded with him to tell us the truth, but other than admitting he was responsible for the grocery store robbery, he'd say nothing. We got the address of the house where Stanford had said he'd left the gardening tools. 3.15 p.m. After taking the suspect back to the main jail, Frank and I drove out to talk to the Howard woman. Place sure looks nice. Well kept. Yeah. Look at those carnations, Joe. Ever seen anything so pretty? Yeah, they're very nice. You know, fate tries them all the time. Never seems to have any luck with them, though. Plants come up all right, but the flowers just don't seem to get very big. Mm-hmm. About size of half a buck. Little bitty things. Yeah. Sure smell good, though. I get the bell. Yes? Miss Howard? That's right. Is there something you want? Police officers, ma'am. We'd like to talk to you. Policeman? What do you want to see me for? Well, it's about a man who did some work for you, Thomas Stanford. Oh. Yes, come in, won't you? Thank you very much. My name's Friday, Mrs. Howard. This is my partner, Frank Smith. Oh, well, how do you do? How do you do, ma'am? Just sit down there. I'm having a late lunch. Can I get you anything? No, thank you. No, thank you, ma'am. Sure you wouldn't have a glass of iced tea or something like that? No, thanks, Miss Howard. How about this man, Stanford? Oh, yes, Tom. He's a good gardener. Does a beautiful job on the place. You should take a walk around the grounds. He keeps it just beautifully. Yes, ma'am. Could you tell us when he was here last? Oh, well, I'd have to think about that. Let's see. Well, I think it was a week ago yesterday. Yes, that's right. Last Wednesday. He comes once a week. He should have been here yesterday. Called his house when he didn't show up. No answer. Probably forgot. He's very forgetful, you know. 
Is that right? Oh, yes. But take the last time he was here. He walked off and forgot all of his tools, lawnmower, clippers, everything. Had to take it back to the garage. Just left it on the lawn right out in front of the place. Mm-hmm. You ever had any trouble with him? What do you mean by trouble? Well, any arguments, disagreements? Well, on a couple of occasions, we've had words about what flowers to put in. He's wanted to plant one thing, I've wanted something else. They've never been serious, though. Yes, ma'am. I suppose I shouldn't say this. What's that, Miss Hart? Well, frankly, I've never thought that Tom was real bright. He seemed sort of backwards. How do you mean, backward? Well, when it came to thinking out something for himself, he just couldn't handle it. If you told him to do a thing a certain way, he'd do it. Never vary from the way you told him. Mm-hmm. But ask him to figure something out, and he was dead. Seemed like the motor was turning over all right, but he just couldn't get the clutch out. Gears just wouldn't work. Yes, ma'am. That's why I say I don't think he's very bright. He just can't seem to think for himself. No initiative. Do you remember what time he was here on Wednesday? Well, now, let's see. He got here about 10 in the morning. It was right after that radio show about the friends. I'd just finished listening to that when he got here. That goes off the air at 10. Uh, have you ever heard it? No, ma'am. Oh, you should listen sometime. These people tell why they need a friend to help them out of trouble. Well, I listen to it every morning. Makes me feel pretty lucky, those poor people. I sure appreciate what I've got when I hear what they have to say. Uh-huh. Was Stanford here all day, ma'am? Yes, all day. He didn't leave until, um, let's see, well, I guess it was about 5, someplace around in there. Uh, it seems to me it was just before the 5 o'clock news, just before that, when he left. Mm-hmm. You say he got here at 10, and then he left just before 5 o'clock, is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Any chance that he might have been away without you knowing it? No, no, I'd have known it if he had. He was out in the backyard most of the morning, and then he took care of the front later in the day. Well, what's he do about lunch, Miss Howard? Uh, what do you mean? Well, does he bring his lunch with him? Once in a while he does, yes. Well, he didn't on Wednesday, though, I'm sure about that. Well, how do you mean, Mrs. Howard? Well, long about lunchtime was uh, right after the uh, noon news, I made up a little plate for him. A couple of sandwiches, potato chips, and some pickles, little tiny sweet gherkins. I made it up, and I took it out to him. Yes, ma'am. I took this nice plate out to him, and where do you suppose I found him? Where? Out behind the garage, sitting next to the compost box. What do you suppose he was doing? What, ma'am? Reading a comic book. All about cops and robbers. Uh, One of those with a picture on the cover of the crooks trying to shoot their way out of the bank. Mm Mm-hmm. I told him that he'd better get on the ball, let the clutch out, and get to work. I told him that I wanted the yard finished up by five and that I didn't want any funny business about it. What did he say to that? Well, he just looked at me for a long time, and then he said, Okay, warden. Just like that. Okay, warden. But he got to work. Right away, and he finished up on time. You see, my son and daughter-in-law were coming over. It was his birthday, and we'd planned a little party... I wanted the place to be nice for them. Yes, ma'am, we understand. Is it possible that Stanford could have gotten away from the yard at all between 10 and 5? No. No, I'm sure of that. He was here all the time. All right, ma'am. Thank you very much. What's this all about? Is Tom in some sort of trouble? No, it's just a routine investigation, Miss Howard. I'm going to give you our card in case you think of anything else. Here you are. Oh, uh, thank you. Michigan 5211, is that right? Yes, ma'am. Ask for robbery division. That's extension 2511. It's right on the card. Oh, here. yes. Mm-hmm. Poor Tom, all this trouble. It's too bad. Yes, ma'am. I just wish this was New York. Beg your pardon? Well, if this was New York, everything would be all right. How's that? That program about the friends? Yes, ma'am. Tom could sure use one. We left Mrs. Howard's home and talked to some of the people in the neighborhood. They told us that the Howards were respected people in the community, and some of them verified the fact that Stanford had worked for almost two years. 
The man who lived directly across the street from the Howard house said that he'd talked with Stanford on the afternoon of the robbery. He said that he'd asked the suspect about the seeds that he used to raise the carnations that were planted along the front of the house. He went on to say that he'd been working in the front yard of his own house all afternoon and that he'd seen the suspect throughout that time. We drove back to the grocery store and talked with the victim, Mrs. Kenwood. Under questioning, she admitted that she could have made a mistake about the identification, but she said that if she was wrong, the thief could act as a double for Tom Stanford. 10.30 p.m., we drove back to the main jail and picked up the suspect. We took him back to the city hall and talked to him in the interrogation room. He was sullen and refused to answer our questions. Stanford? Yeah? I'd like to have you tell us the truth this time. I told you it isn't my fault if you don't believe me. It isn't my fault. Now, look, Stanford, we talked with this Mrs. Howard. She told us that you were working for her all day a week ago Wednesday. So what's that proof? Well, you admit it's true then, huh? Sure, it's true. I was working for her. Then how could you have gotten to the grocery store and held it up? Stanford? I did it. I haven't got anything more to say. I did the robbery. Smith, you get tonight's papers? Yeah, I picked them up earlier. Anything in them about me? I didn't see anything. There must have been something, some story about me with my name. Well, if there was, I didn't see it. Well, maybe it didn't look good. Maybe. There's got to be something, a picture or something. No. Well, let me look. Where'd you leave the papers, Frank? Squad room. Would you get them and let me look? Sure. Pretty important to you that you're in the papers, isn't it? I just want to see them, that's all. Well, he'll bring them back. You must have made a mistake. There's something about me. There's got to be. It isn't every day there's a robbery like this. The papers would write it up big, wouldn't they? I don't know. I'm sure they would. There was a story when the place was robbed, told all about how it was done. It was just a little story, but now they've got me, it seems you should have a picture. Here it is. Let me see. Nothing on the first page. Robbery happened a week ago. It's old news. Yeah, but you just caught me last night. Hmm. Nothing. Not one lousy word. Nothing at all. That makes a difference, doesn't it? Sure it does. Sure. If there isn't anything in the papers, how are people going to know I did it? How are they going to know? They won't. But they got it. They got it. Don't you see that? If they don't know that I did the robbery, there ain't no reason for it. No reason at all. What do you mean, Stafford? Well, there won't be no pictures, no nothing. People still think I'm nobody. No one's going to know that I did do something. No one will know. Well, the way it looks to us, you didn't do it. There should be a story about it, about how I confessed. Maybe not a picture, but at least a story, something. You didn't do it, did you? Stanford? Come on, you didn't hold up that story, did you? No. No, I didn't, I... Thought I could get away with it. I thought that if I confessed, you'd put me in jail and people would look at me different. And they wouldn't laugh at me anymore because I'd done something. Mm-hmm. Poor dumb Tom. That's what they say. Poor dumb Tom. Just once I wanted to show him, show him that I could do something. You ready to go? Back to the jail? That's right. You think we could stop on the way over and like to... Pick up something. Yeah, what's that? Other papers. Might be something in them. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On June 4th, a meeting was held in the district attorney's office, city and county of Los Angeles, state of California. 
In a moment, the results of that meeting. A 5.10 report was filed on Thomas Arthur Stanford, and he was released from custody. Ten months later, on May 22nd, James R. Rogers was apprehended while attempting to hold up a liquor store at the corner of 3rd and Temple Streets. While being interrogated, he confessed to committing the robbery that Stanford had been accused of. The physical appearance of the two men was almost identical. Rogers was tried and convicted of robbery in the first degree and received sentence as prescribed by law. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Tonight, it's Adventure with Barry Craig on NBC. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. An interesting episode in a number of ways. This is one of those... I don't think I would put it on my list of the best Dragnet episodes ever, uh, but it's pretty close. Uh, I like a lot about this episode and the way that it shows the uh, police wanting to be sure that they've got the right person, even in a case where they do have a, a witness identification. Uh, to try and get to the truth and not have a situation where you're putting someone in jail to help them uh, fulfill uh, some sort of emotional need or disorder. And this character is one where I feel some sympathy for and just kind of the problems that he has in his life and how it's ended up crossing paths uh, with the police here, even though he didn't actually uh, do the crime. Also found the opening part to be uh, interesting. Uh, apparently, the salt pills in special water uh, worked for uh, Friday, as he didn't have to go to Georgia Street, so yay for salt pills. It does also show how long, you know, supplements and sort of uh, herbal natural cures have been moving around in uh, modern American society. I also kind of wondered about him talking about going to see the doctor at uh, Georgia Street. Um, I wonder, was there a special doctor who would take a look at policemen who were on duty and ran into health problems? Uh, or were they talking about the emergency room, which generally, I guess, in today's society is a lot more uh, expensive than going to a typical doctor? So I was a little curious about the economics and uh, setup of that. 
If any listener has any insight on it, I would uh, love to hear it. I'm just uh, curious about these sort of things I catch and don't always have the answer. All right, well, uh, listener comments and feedback now. And I have a comment from Joan who says, I've heard, I thought, all of the Dragnet podcast, but this is a new one. Uh, excellent show as always, Adam. Uh, regards from Joan in sunny Ontario. Well, thanks so much, Joan. Well, I have played this uh, before uh, on the old time Dragnet show, but we might have had technical issues that week or something like that. Plus, myself, I have to admit that there are some shows where I'm able to keep pretty good track of everything I've um, heard just because there are relatively few episodes out here, but we have more than 300 radio episodes of Dragnet. And so for me, I, I find that I don't remember all the plots. So, uh, there are some that I'm running into that I don't remember hearing before this one, uh, the one we heard today definitely was a standout. So, uh, I did remember that one. All right. And we have another one regarding a question I asked Richard writes regarding magnifiers. Hi, Adam. I just heard you asking about magnifiers on old televisions. My uncle had one on his, which not only magnified the screen, but also had a purple tint to it. Uh, it was the closest one could be to having a color TV in early 60s Britain. We had a 14-inch screen, so didn't need the magnifier. Uh, changing the subject, it's a shame that Nightbeat finished, as I thought... The storylines were still strong, and there was still life in the program. Other programs overstayed their welcome. Uh, copy boy. Well, thanks so much for the comment, Richard, and appreciate your insight on the use of magnifiers in the UK uh, in the 1960s. And that also answers something that I've all I've kind of wondered in the back of my head because. Uh, a lot of the uh, British television uh, programs like the uh, Saints or even the early Emma Peel uh, episodes of the Avengers were still black and white when most of the stuff in the States was uh, heading in the direction of color. Although we had more of a mi mix and match, but pretty much all of the UK television from the 60s that I watch is in black and white, and that really does help explain why. Regarding Nightbeat, it was nothing to do with the quality of the show that it was canceled in 1952. It really uh, was an issue of economics, uh, because 1951 was actually the first year that uh, TV earned more advertising revenue than radio. And so radio programs were having to uh, really tighten up on budget and... Uh, networks were struggling with how to make it survive. You come to a show like Nightbeat, and you're dealing with a declining audience for radio, which uh, would make advertising revenue challenging, and then with the fact that Nightbeat, uh, after it lost Paps Blue Ribbon, didn't really have a sponsor. On top of that, unlike some radio stars like Bob Bailey, who were really just known as uh, really strong radio actors, uh, Frank Lovejoy was a legitimate leading man in Hollywood. He, I don't think he, he was never uh, at the 
He wasn't, you know, one of the A-list stars, but he was the type of person who could helm a, a major film like I Was a Communist for the FBI. And that is going to demand some extra salary for radio. So I think affording the star, you know, even as long as they did, was certainly a tribute to their uh, perseverance. But by 1952, uh, I think it just didn't make economic sense to continue. So uh, I definitely agree. Nightbeat could have gone uh, quite a bit longer, you know, if it launched a bit earlier, but just uh, wasn't the way it happened. Thanks so much for the questions. Uh, truly appreciated. Uh, that will do it for now. Uh, join us back here tomorrow. We're going to have uh, Jack Webb back, but it's going to not be in Dragnet. Well, not really. Uh, you'll just have to come back and find out as we present our 2,500th episode special featuring Jack Webb and Bob Hope. It's going to be good. Uh, in And then join us back here on Monday for Mr. Keen Tracer of Lost Persons. Then uh, next Saturday, it's another episode of Dragnet. In the meantime, send your comments to brightdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And check out our YouTube archive, youtube.greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.